name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 448. Four plus four equals... Eight. I, I didn't good, know you sweetie. were turning that over to me. Yes, I was turning it over. Um, so we're we're closing in on 450. Uh huh. Quite a milestone. Not as big of a milestone as 500. We got to think of something fun to do for that. Mm-hmm. And it's only 52 shows away, which is be about a year. Yeah. So we better start working on it. Let's get them all done. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is the best predictor. Of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I have a few small quick takes. Maybe we'll get to a question or two. And my darling has something up her sleeve. What do we have? Um, well, it's just a it's a paragraph or a uh, like a story or an idea that I have from Maria Shriver's book. Okay. So, but awesome. I'm not going to start until we go into it. All right, so um, so here is um, one of my quick takes. All right. And let's start with Serena. So Serena lost, she came in second. Right. She didn't necessarily lose. I was going to say, it's hard a, to say she won she like lost. 10 matches and then she lost in the final. Yeah. And I just wanted to play this clip because she kind of, she's pretty uh, a hard competitor and uh-huh. she shows a small window of some vulnerability uh, what's cool about tennis is after the matches, they interview the uh, competitors, at least they do at the in the finals stage, and uh, nobody leaves after the competition's over. They stay to hear the interviews and to do the trophy presentation, yeah. which in Wimbledon, it's a big silver plate. Oh, right. Silver platter, sweetie. Silver platters. Um, Got to keep on keeping on. So this is... <laughs> this is... Um, Why are you laughing? I'm just thinking of Bobby. Oh, okay. Bobby Brady from the Silver Platters. Well, he's not really big in the Silver Platters song. He's big in the Sunshine song, which is their... Which was their tryout for the silver platters. Do you know what I mean? They couldn't so they be on did, the show until they tried out. They did two of them? Yeah, they did two of them. The uh, one that... Yeah, this is Sunshine Day. I think I'll go for a walk outside now The summer sun's calling my name I hear you now, I just can't stay inside all day I think I'm going to fast forward to Bobby's part. Yeah, his is the... Here comes Bobby. See, see, here comes Marsha. She's so she's great. She's perfect. Yeah, she's like in pitch. Bobby's like completely uncomfortable. Well, he's digging the sunshine. And then what about when it's time to change, you've got to rearrange? That was a different episode, if I remember correctly. Oh, really? But that was the Silver Platters episode, because then they went on TV and did a whole different song, and they do all this choreography that's so like body-twisting that they almost fall over like every <laughs> time they do it. I always wondered why they choreographed it that way. Um, so here's Serena. Okay. First tangent of the day was okay. the Silver Platters, uh, and it's only about 15 seconds, but I thought it's worth it, so here we go. Played any matches, absolutely. And I tell you, there are mums everywhere that are saying, How has she done this? You are superhuman, super mum. No, I'm just I'm just me, and that's all I can be. But 
to all the moms out there. You know, I was playing for you today, and I tried, but, um, you know, Angela... She tried, sweetie. Oh, my God. Well, I just, it's so... So for those of you who don't know, Serena had a baby... Not too long ago. Not too long ago, and it was not... uh, She had some complications. Pretty significant. And to compete on the world stage as a 37-year-old woman... Mm Against, Which isn't old, but it, it's in very old for tennis. For sport, is yeah. it? Oh is my it? gosh! I don't yeah. have an idea. They're playing against kids. They're playing against twenty-two-year-olds. Oh. I mean, think of the wear and tear on this woman's body. I know. And she just had a baby. I know. And it wasn't easy. And so, anyways, and you know, Serena's not even close to a perfect person. But my goodness, she's. I just uh, always like go back and forth between, like you know, the the wear and tear on the body and everything, and the the. It's like I go back and forth between, of course she can do this. She's totally capable. And, oh, my gosh, can you believe that she did this? Meaning that I get frustrated when someone says, can you believe she did this? I'm like, yeah, moms can do this all the time. But then I also, if someone didn't acknowledge all she had gone through, I'd be frustrated too. It's kind of like, you know, it's it's a... Um, and I'm sure that's how she feels all the time is she knows she's capable, but then people keep saying to her, this is not something people do. Right. And it's like, well, why not? You know, but it's a physical sport. That's why. So I guess just hats off to mm-hmm. Serena. And to your point that you said before that, yes, I know I'm quite aware that in sports there's winners and losers, but you know, second in Wimbledon. Pretty is, damn good. It's not anything to be too upset about. I know. Who did she lose to? Um, I think she was a German, and apparently the the woman. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. She just played unbelievable. Like you know, unforced errors is is a statistic in tennis, and usually have you know quite a few because you're hitting the ball three thousand times in a match or whatever. And she barely had any. Like she played the perfect. She played match, the perfect game, and she she wow. whooped Serena pretty good. I think. Oh, in really? Straight sets, but I'm not positive. Wow. So I didn't watch the match. Um, well, yeah, that was pretty inspiring, and and you know all these things are possible, and you know like she said, that's why she played. She played for obviously herself, but all the moms mm-hmm. who continue on, who go back to work, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Um, so the other quick take before we get to Sweetie's stuff is um, uh, I'm going to try to intermingle two different topics together here for a second. Um, Earlier this month, I wrote a blog called White Male Privilege and Toxic Masculinity. And in it, I basically call out um, myself and other white straight men who have this privilege and ask them to join hands with our female counterparts and minorities and, you know, do what we can to make this world a better place. And uh, it's funny, I got my first uh, pretty firm criticism from from actually a, a guy I knew in college. He wasn't necessarily a friend of mine. And he called me a sexist and a racist. And, and said you were, um, by saying that, you were promoting hate. Right, right. So, and, you know, I, I kindly, I think, uh, responded back to him saying, appreciate your opinion. I was just giving you my own experience and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as I'm kind of looking through my previous blogs, there's a theme, which is exactly what I'm talking about is, you know, us privileged men need to um, do a better job and calling my fellow white straight males out. And, um, you know, and I've been criticized from friends in person about the term toxic masculinity. And I don't, we don't have to go down this road because we've talked about it before. But lo and behold, our former President Obama 
said something very similar. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe it made me feel a little bit... Uh, less alone. Less alone. So um, Barack did this really long speech in South Africa? Correct, for uh, Nelson Mandela's birthday. Okay. Um, and this is just a small clip of this really long speech, and I thought it was worth sharing. So here's uh, former president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Mm-hmm. Women in particular, by the way, I want you to get more involved because, because, uh, men have, men have been getting on my nerves lately. I mean, I, I just, uh, every day I read the newspaper and I just think like, brothers, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, what's wrong with us? All right. I mean, we're, we're violent, we're bullying, we, you know, just not handling our business. Um, so, so I think uh, empowering more women on the continent—that on right away—is going to, I think, lead to some better policies. So there's Barack, and I love that. Uh, two parts about that. One is he almost seems, what's I, I use this word and I don't even know how to pronounce it. Exasperated. Exasperated. Yeah. Like he like doesn't even know what to say. Right. He's I like, don't think he does. Yeah. If I was Barack Obama at this point in our history, I wouldn't know what to say. Right. I mean, he really does know what to say, but how on a on a world stage do you express what you've been seeing right. over the last year? Right, exactly. So um, and then he says, not handling our business. Like That's a know. good way to say it. Yeah. We need to take radical responsibility for ourselves and our world. And I just don't feel like us men are doing that good of a job. And I'm sure that there's certain guys out there that probably are disagreeing with me in this moment. And that's fine. Well, I think here's where we run into trouble with this is that, you know, your friend or acquaintance or people who have challenged you on this, if you really just step back and get beyond yourself, you can't deny the challenges. Like when, when, you know, Brock is saying, or President Obama is saying, someone gave us a hard time one time for calling him Barack with his first name. Do you remember that? I don't. And I, I can't remember. He was like, do you call the other presidents by their first name? I call him W. I know. It's funny. I've never thought about it. I think it's just because Barack Obama has such a um, uh, unique name yeah, that right. using either name. But anyway, President Obama, uh, former President Obama, when he... Um, Oh my God, I lost exactly what I was going to say. So it happens when you record early on a Monday morning, <laughs> sweetie. Oh, after not sleeping most of the weekend. I'm so tired. So you get the uh, you get the gist. Um, and before we turn it over to you, sweetie. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not done. I feel like there's oh, something. Oh, I thought you didn't oh, know what to I know. say. I, well, I do know what to say. I just lost it for a second. Oh, okay. Is that if you can stand back, if you as, as a man, any of us, and just see what's happening instead of taking it personally, because that's what people do. Like mm -hmm. someone who says to you that you're spreading hate or imposing hate, what they're saying is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that may be very well true. But if you stand back and look at a lot of the challenges we're having right now, you can't deny that a lot of the decision makers are men. Mm -hmm. That's that's all. Can you stand back and see the bigger picture? Because I think where people get stuck is they'll say, but I'm not doing that. Therefore, it's not happening. Right. Do you remember that conversation we had a few episodes ago where people will... I was talking about how people's comments on social networking or people's solutions to like really grand problems, 
all they're offering is their personal experience. Yeah. They're not saying, wait, I need to like take into account other people. They're saying, oh, the way that you solve sleep problems, I drank cherry juice. Therefore, if everybody drank cherry juice, we could all sleep. Right. That is how you managed right. it. And that could help people. But sometimes do you understand that that there are some people that cherry juice isn't enough. Mm. And so that's kind of the, I'm using that as just a, an example because cherry juice has recently come into our life. Um, but, you know, that's all I'm trying to say is that we, you know, people who get really, really offended by something, can you stand back away from you and recognize the bigger picture? Well, and it's funny, I've never quoted myself on this podcast because I do so very so very little writing uh -huh. because writing is hard and I don't enjoy it, but sometimes I feel compelled to write something. I say in this blog, I encourage any man who does take offense to this term to look inward and see why this is so triggering. Um, and then I go on to ask him to find examples. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, if if you get bothered by this, there's something inside of you that it's, this is resonating with, whether or not you want to look at it or not, like shadow stuff. Right. Or his, or your history right. or someone you love who acts this way. Maybe you can say, no, I have never mm -hmm. harmed anybody. I feel like I'm very in touch with all parts of myself. And if that be so, that's great. Mm -hmm. But can you recognize the bigger picture? I don't think Barack Obama is standing there saying, I as a man really need to, you know, really get my act together. Right. I think he's done a very nice job mm -hmm. of being a very, I'm sure he has room to grow as we all do. He's not perfect. But if you look at his uh, pattern of behavior and the way that he has treated women and the way that he's treated minorities and, the, and himself being a minority, like he's done a really nice job, but he's still saying as a whole... We need to well, recognize. I, I think what happens is people come up with their examples that fit their, their story, belief their belief system. I know, I know. Um, and, and those stories are true. Like you did work hard and do these things despite the odds. But what I say, what I think is that um, there's minorities and women out there that have probably more stories than we do. Right, and that—that's the—that's what I'm trying to say very ineffectively. I'm not doing a good job. Is that we're so in our head yeah. about if I had this experience, this is the experience that everybody else will have, yes. and we forget to recognize or we fail to recognize that if you are quiet and you read other people's stories and you listen to other people, you will realize there is a world going on out there that you can't personally mm -hmm. relate to. Yeah. And that if you can listen, then your empathy and your compassion will grow and expand. That's what you just said is exactly the key. Like we are so, we're like, well, this worked for me, therefore it'll work for everyone. Or I worked hard, therefore other people, if they just do what I do. And you forget that other people are not born into what you're born into, or they're born into something more traumatizing, or they have had such different experiences that you can't even relate to. Well, because you talked about empathy, do you mind if I play this um, one clip from this TED Talk? Because sure. it, it falls right into sure. what you're saying. So there's this guy, um, he's a millennial, actually. His name is Dylan Marin. And um, he did a TED Talk called How I Turn Negative Online Comments into Positive Offline Conversations. And it's wonderful. Um, so Dylan um, has, uh, he, he does these podcasts and he does these things and he gets a lot of comments because of, he talks a lot of, talks about a lot of things that trigger people like equality for all and things like that. And there's a lot of haters out there based upon the message that he has. So when you say equality for all, does he go the route of that men 
don't have a quality either, or is he talking about... He has racked up millions of views for projects like Every Single Word and sitting in bathrooms with trans people. Okay, so he's he's literally trying to help have people understand all yes. different types of people. Yes. Okay, good. So this is a quick minute from his TED Talk, and he talks... So Kathy and I, when we interview people, we kind of title it called Conversations with People We Love. He has a podcast called Conversations with People Who Hate Me. Yeah, and it's it's a powerful TED talk, and I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but this is just a quick um, about minute and fifteen seconds from his TED talk. Um, sometimes the most subversive thing you could do was to actually speak with the people you disagreed with, and not simply at them. Now, in every one of my calls, I always ask my guests to tell me about themselves. And it's their answer to this question that allows me to empathize with them. And empathy, it turns out, is a key ingredient in getting these conversations off the ground. But it can feel very vulnerable to be empathizing with someone you profoundly disagree with. So I established a helpful mantra for myself: Empathy is not endorsement. Empathizing with someone you profoundly disagree with does not suddenly compromise your own deeply held beliefs and endorse theirs. Empathizing with someone who, for example, believes that being gay is a sin doesn't mean that I'm suddenly going to drop everything, pack my bags, and grab my one-way ticket to hell. Right? It just means that I'm acknowledging the humanity of someone who was raised to think very differently from me. I also want to be super clear about something. This is not a prescription for activism, right? I understand that some people don't feel safe talking to their detractors, and others feel so marginalized that they justifiably don't feel that they have any empathy to give. I totally get that. This is just what I feel well suited to do. So, very well spoken, mm-hmm. young man. Yeah, well, he kind of gets it at every angle. So, yeah. if you disagree with him, he. He's saying, "I've recognized that. Mm. I've seen that." Yeah. So, did you? I, you wrote some notes down. Is there anything? No, no. That you... I just wrote the word endorsement because that is, I think, always the challenge we have when wherever we're talking to anybody is we feel like if we let them continue talking or if we let them say what they believe, that just by allowing them to say it, we're somehow endorsing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that this is the issue with you know when we talk about free speech or when we talk about, you know, having a conversation where we understand somebody is I think the place we struggle is we think if they say something that somehow um, triggers us or the, you know, there's so many ways to say this that we get super offended by it. Or as Michael Singer says, he always talks about us all having thorns all over our body. And then when someone touches them, it hurts so much, we just shut that person down. Or um, And if we act that way if we're not aware that someone saying something isn't and us listening isn't endorsement then we don't listen to anybody else's opinion right we're, we just say that affected me or offended me so much that I'm shutting down now and to his point there have been times that I've been in a place where I can't hear mm-hmm. because I'm so um, already upset and feeling unheard that to sit and allow someone then to talk at me yeah. with negativity, I don't have space for yeah, it. Yeah, and some people w- will never have space for it because they've been too picked on, bullied, marginalized. marginalized, and that's fine. And there's some other people that, depending on what's going on with them that day, they have the strength mm, yes, to do it. Yes, Because, you, know, you know, this is, um, you know, he's a very proud gay man, and he says... Uh, you know, he calls these people that call him horrendous names and yeah. he calls them on the phone. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, talk about courageous. Well, and also it is courageous. I totally give him that, but I think it's more him understanding himself very clearly. Mm -hmm. If you understand yourself, like the point that I brought up about that I just said about sometimes I'm so tired or so worn down, I can't listen to people. It's because I'm feeling insecure. Yeah, I don't have the ability to be vulnerable in that moment. But when I'm feeling strong or aware or well-rested or confident, you can say anything to me. And I I have room because I... So what it tells me about him is he's courageous, but he's also very, very confident in who he is. And but not in an in that when we use that word sometimes we th- we think that means like he's trying to overpower other people. Yeah. He just can stand in his own power. Yeah, well, he and, himself. and he's a millennial, and we don't have time. But I was going to play a clip from Simon Sinek regarding millennials and how they're misunderstood. We played it before. He's uh, you know this Dylan young man is such a wonderful example of you know I don't know maybe there's a lot of people doing this when I was 22, but. Maybe we didn't have the technology to show it, but I just think it's wonderful. Yeah, we didn't have the technology to... We didn't even have these kind of interactions. Right. You know what I mean? There was no such was thing as calls. TED Talks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's um, it's interesting because I think that I always get into talks with people about millennials and Generation Z because I hear from my friends, especially who are in the business world. Your friend who was over last week was saying this too about, oh, it's so hard to hire millennials and, you know, they're so self-centered. And I, I mean, I, people can give me examples of how that is true. Yeah. I'm not saying Same it's never been true. Same thing as we were talking about before. You could find an example exactly. to justify your own story, but take a step back or an objective point of view or something like that. Right. And that could have been that one person who happened to be a millennial. Or if you see a pattern, what is the underlying pattern? Because Mm -hmm. what I've noticed in my college students is, yes, I've seen some entitlement. I've seen those things. But I've also seen people who are very aware of what's going on in the world, people who are not willing to take a job that totally sucks their life out of them. They're not willing to, they want to know that they're doing something purposeful. They want to feel invested not only in themselves, but in the work they're doing. To me, that's not really a problem. Maybe they are... So maybe we have a company where we're like, well, you should just show up mm-hmm. and keep your head down and work and go home and be thankful you have a job. Mm-hmm. Is that really how we want to run the country? <laughs> yeah. That's not really working that well. And we may say, well, that's what I did. Well, okay. That's what we did. But does it need to remain that way? Could we actually have purpose? Mm-hmm. Could we inspire the people we work with? Because one of the other things that came up this weekend, I was with my girlfriends, was uh, my friend who hires people was saying, they come in saying, I expect health insurance. That's something I need. And why do we get upset about that? And again, my friend who was saying this wasn't upset about mm-hmm. it, but there is a, don't you think we should have health insurance? Like, yeah. I think sometimes when we've had difficulty, we want everyone else to have the same difficulty. Yeah, We're like, because this was hard for me and I wasn't willing or I didn't have the backing or the wherewithal or the, uh, you know, it just wasn't a time in history where you could speak up about these things. Um, when other people speak up, it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. But really it's for all of our yeah. betterment. Oh, yeah. And and at the same time, I will end by saying, and of course there are people in that generation who are entitled. Of course. Yeah. Just yeah. like in our generation. There. Well, and the one example I has come up with is I do feel, and we played a Dan Siegel clip um, a few months back regarding, um, I, I don't know if it was millennials or just teenagers. I think it was teenagers. And I feel like that there's an element of jealousy in us who are in our, 
who are no longer in that wonderful, youthful, exciting, draining time in our lives, between 15 and 30 years old. And, you know, I remember watching my daughter had her her eighth grade dance and the excitement that they displayed with their friends and they're just completely jovial and like unbridled. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of words. Jovial, unbridled. And And I was, I wasn't jealous, but I'm like, that is, I wish I can get that excited to go to a dance. Yeah. But I don't. Right. We're kind of beyond that because we've already experienced it so much. Yeah. Like our brain gets like gray with things. So then our excitement is watching our kids do stuff or our grandchildren do stuff or whatever. And hopefully our, our job is to stay youthful in our energy, even though our body's getting older. And that's, and you know, really our job is to, um, the reason I was saying that about the words that that you just used before I move on is- I could keep going. I know. Well, there's a good Friends episode, just a moment where um, Joey starts using a bunch of big Mm -hmm. words- and is it the toilet paper yeah, thing? He has word of the day toilet paper. I feel like that was like a common use joke on sitcoms from the nineties. Like I really, I, I swear, they said that in more shows. I think you know, it's just a very easy. Oh yeah, it's joke. Total. It's a throw in. It's a throw. But in. he says he's he's wearing a hat and that it's jaunty. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so jaunty. <laughs> Are you going to get into your thing? Yeah, but don't get into it yet. I want to talk about teams then. Yes, but I was just going to finish about... Oh, um, you're going to close this loop. Yes, I was going to close this loop about the... What, what did you just say right before I said the You jaunty. said jaunty. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so tired. Sweetie's got to write stuff down. I do, but I... <laughs> your heart dies. That's what I was Who talking cares? Who cares? Who cares? I care. Okay, I know what I was going to say. Thank you, Allison. Um, was that our job as adults is to recognize when we go gray. Mm. And yes, to find joy in what our children and our grandchildren are doing. But that's not all we're supposed to do. No, Meaning, I think that that's like the easy, most easiest, most accessible. Right. But our job is to, I mean, and we all have like friends and examples and where, you know, the the guy in the movie or the girl in the movie is just like crazy exciting, even though they're like 55 years old or 85 years old. Surround yourself with those people if you can right, find them. Right. And that, and remember, that's totally possible. Again, we we really think that life is like this linear path of like joy, 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 and then dull. Well, you, you know hear what the, I, mean? I hear these stories like my my one customer, his name is Tom. He has a mother-in-law. Like she travels to Europe and she's like 88 years old. Absolutely. So like don't tell me that, you know, just because you get old doesn't mean you can't do awesome stuff. Right. I really believe that's a story we heard. And there are some people who because of their health or other issues that they, they have a challenge leaving. But even if they can't go travel, mm-hmm. there is a whole... You know, there's books, there's plays, there's operas, there's the cities, there's, you know, road trips. There, The thing is, is we start to shrink our lives yes. because we are so um, overwhelmed by the idea of trying something new. Yep. Like that's one of my biggest pet peeves with parents, um, especially when they're talking to me about what they think their children should be doing. You know, I wish they would just join this or try out for this or do this. 
And, you know, well, they should because, you know, they're they're not going to know until they try. And then I'll talk to them about what are you doing that's new? What are you trying? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, moms and dads have just gotten into a safe, sweet spot. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how sweet it is. Just a safe spot where they're not putting themselves out there. They're not trying anything new, but they're looking at their kids and saying, you do that. Now, kids are at a time period where that is very typical. But at the same time, what... Why do we believe that children should be doing that, but we should stay safe all the time? Role modeling the behavior that you want to see in your children. Right. That includes stuff that you're talking about, which is, you know, stay young and exciting to the point, well, my kid, you know, making your kid apologize when he does something wrong. Last time you did something wrong, did you apologize? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Oh, around the, you know, the whole spectrum from... The, the challenging stuff to the good stuff. Like, right. just do it. Right. If if that is what you really expect of your children or of people, like I just did a, um, a group last week of uh, parents. It was some moms and their daughters, and we were talking about friendships and some things that they were struggling with. And the thing that I said to the girls at the end is I said, come up with three words. Um words that would describe a friend you would love to have. Mm. So they sat with their mom and kind of talked about, these are the words that, you know, these are things I'm looking for. And they had beautiful words for being so young, you know, uh, the obvious ones like kind and loyal. And, but, you know, some of them were like generous, open-minded. These were real young girls. Jovial, unbridled. <laughs> unbridled. Jaunty. Jaunty. No, those were not, <laughs> they did not have toilet paper with them. But, you know, words that were like, you know, beyond yeah, what happy, you think their age is. Yeah, exactly. Kind, yeah. And then after they had those words out there and they're like, that's what I want a friend. I said, okay, now you go be that. Mm. You know, it's not about going, like you take those words, put them into your heart. And when you meet someone, you be those things. Because if you're looking for those things, offer it first and you'll get it back. Yeah. You know, a lot of Too time, often we are looking for something that we're not giving out. Of course. And that is, and the thing is, is when the reason why it's important for us to come up with the words is we know those are the things we value. Right. So if we value them, then let's live them. Yeah. And then we will find those people. Like attracts like. And so if you are out there doing, you know, Todd and I have had this experience in the last 10 years. Like once we, once I started writing and once we started podcasting, you know, we started talking about the things we really believe in and putting ourselves out there. We have met so many like-minded people and we have met so many people that inspire us. And obviously we always had wonderful people in our life before, but I feel like it's just exploded. And some of it is serendipitous, which basically means for me, um, the universe just kind of shows up, but some of it is actively seeking to surround yourself with those like-minded people. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it just shows up and sometimes you deliberately go to a conference where you know that these people are like-minded. Right. So it's both. You can't just like wait for everything to happen either. Correct. And I know you weren't saying that. Absolutely correct. Like you, the, you know, just the act of living what you believe sometimes makes things just happen easier, mm. regardless of how it's coming also, to Also, plus you sometimes you don't even recognize it when it shows up because you're too busy, you know, what's what's John Lennon's quote? Life's what happens when you're busy doing other things. When you're busy other making things. other plans. So before you read your quote, oh. um, can I do a quick thing on Team Zen? Sure. So um, if you want uh, bonus content of Zen Parenting Radio or some behind-the-scenes behind stuff, 
um, or just like group coaching. This is something we do twice a month as well as uh, we have a private Facebook page for Team Zen members who are um, who need advice and questions and Kathy and I get on there and other teammates uh, get on there as well. Um, and we usually do it during the day, but we are actually doing one tomorrow night. Wednesday. Yep, tomorrow night. 7 yep. p.m. So, and if it's it's just, if you get something out of this podcast and you want to support us, try Team Zen just for a month, just to see how it goes. Um, you can go to our website and click on the Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month, two uh, live Zen Talks a month, a private podcast app with all the previous Zen Talks. Um, I do really good show notes, so you can kind of zero in on certain things that you're um, interested in. Plus, there's discounts on the Zen store. So, um, that's my punch out for team Zen punch out. Um, and can I say really quickly, because I feel like I have to write this people a lot. Part of the reason we did team Zen, um, I'll just say that first of all, of course, was to build community. Like that's like what Todd and I are talking about is finding other like-minded people who have similar value systems and who want the same thing for the world. So that's a big part of it. Number two is so we could offer more content to people, you know, do more podcasts and make it more live and interactive. And third, we get a lot of questions from people. They'll email us on the Facebook page or email us through the website. And we do our best to answer. We do. But that takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. to answer questions, meaning it's like, you know, when someone says, explain to me how you did blah, blah, blah. Well, that's like a good sometimes 20 minutes of time to write. And so... If you are part of Team Zen, those things become easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we have a Facebook page. We have other people commenting. So it's not just us. Um, and it is a way that we were able to, I, I feel at least, deal with my own feelings of wanting to support people. Yeah. But not having, I can't answer every email when it comes that way. Right. You know what I mean? I do. And it's kind of like what we were just saying, like surrounding yourself with like-minded people. This, you know, if you're in a community where you're like, oh, these parents, I just don't get, because if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you're a little bit different than what a lot of your neighbors might be like. And this uh, podcast is a vehicle for you to um, embrace that community. Team Zen is a way for you to more intimately embrace right. that community where you can like see us and we see you and we also see each other. Like on the video calls, like we're all seeing each other yeah. and we're raising our hands and we're having these conversations. So, and people are finding friends in close proximity. Yeah. You know, pe- there's lots of people from Colorado and from New York and from all over the country and Chicago, obviously, where, where and we are. Some of them have gotten together yeah. <clears throat> as a result of being yes. on the team. So you can find them liter- like virtually and in person. Yeah. Um, so, and then our um, one partner this week is Avid Company, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. And it's avidco.net. His number is 630 956 1800. Give him a call and tell him Zen Parenting sent you. And he's a bald headed beauty. He said that you gave him a two, two time shout out. Yes. Um, so I. Part of the reason I'm really tired is because I saw my girlfriends this weekend and I just, I slept on a cot. And even though that was totally my choice. I love that cot. I do not love that cot. And that was totally my choice. It wasn't like I came in and said, I'll sleep here, you know, because we had a lot of people in one house. Mm. It just wasn't that comfortable, Todd. I put all that like cushion down Mm. and everything. Yeah. Um, and maybe it wasn't comfortable also because I was going to bed really late and 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 then you say it was having like some hot drinks too like um it was the second night yeah we turned we we all went out to eat on Saturday night and then when we walked home and it was raining and it was cold mm. so we just I just just turned off the air conditioning mm. and so 
we woke up in the, or I did at least, I get hot in the middle of the night. I don't know. Well, if you your body also, do. it's hot and then your feet will be freezing all yes. at the same time. Yes. I sometimes have body temperature issues. Um, sometimes, so sweetie. Sometimes I do. I'll go to bed freezing and wake up really hot. So anyway, but I was with my girlfriends this weekend, which was awesome and lovely. And we try and do that every year. And it always takes me a few days to recover um, <laughs> and come back to myself. That's why I'm so tired. But one of the things that I was reading before I left to see them was um, I have uh, Maria Shriver's book, um, her most recent one called I've Been Thinking. And I like it. I, I like it for a few reasons. Number one, because she writes the same way that I write. And what I mean by that is she writes in essay form. So she'll write like an essay about a specific topic for two or three pages and then move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, she also incorporates, I, I don't do this necessarily, but she incorporates a prayer into each essay and obviously some things to think about. And it's, you know, a very easy, lovely, warm read. Yeah. Um, but one of the ones that I came across before I left this weekend was called um, Faith Keepers. And it says, uh, she's talking about, Maria Shriver's talking about her birthdays and she's saying, each birthday, I acknowledge I'm blessed to have a new year of life. I'm blessed to have a family that loves me, friends who care for me. And she said, one of my girlfriends refers to my other girlfriends as faith keepers. It's such a beautiful way to put it, and it's so true. My girlfriends keep the faith for me when I can't keep it for myself or find it for myself. And I also do it for them. And that's what we all need. And I think that's why I love that uh, terminology, faith keepers, because I think when I get together with my girlfriends, what ends up happening is we just talk the whole time. And I, I know sometimes, and I haven't even been able to debrief with Todd because I got home yesterday and I was too tired to like, bleh, like I was, I'm just tired. Like I was just like, let me relax. Well, the good and news is I'm leaving for three days. <laughs> I know. We'll be together next weekend. I'll fill you in. Um, but we, you know, I'm exhausted from talking. Yeah. You know, I really am like in, in a, the best way, not a negative way, but we've been sharing and sharing stories and listening and going back and forth. I mean, there was like nine of us, 10 mm. of us uh, at a few points. And so it's just a lot of like other people's lives. And so real quick, um, guys, think about your last golf weekend with the boys and see if that's what was going on. Where you were just talking so in depth. Sharing stories of vulnerability and stories that are happening because it doesn't happen that often. Well, and it's so guys. funny. I even recognize this time the structure of it and how it happens because what happens is we all kind of show up at different times and we all kind of sit and, and we talk as a group, but there's a lot of breaking off with one person or two people and going in depth. And then as the weekend goes on, we come more together as a group. Mm. It's almost like people have to like, you know, catch up with this person they yeah. haven't seen for two years or this person that they just talked to last week and they want to... Yeah, there's a dance of rapport dance, going on exactly. and these two people need to catch exactly. up in order for the entire group. Entire group to get together. So by the time we leave, this was a short trip for us because we've done week-long trips before. This was only Friday through Sunday. But by the time we leave, we're all kind of... A cohesive a, unit. Yes, a unit. And... Um, just to let it all fall away until next year. Right. But it never does fall away. That's what's so great is I know what you mean. The structure falls yeah. away. But, you know, some of these women I see a lot because they live in the city and they're, I see them all the time. And some of these women I see once a year or once every two years and, um, or twice a year because they come to, they tend to come to the conference now, which I really love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's their family reunion. Yeah. It becomes, reunion. it becomes, and some of them bring their daughters, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a really nice way to kind of come back together. Sweetie, way to work the conference in. 
I did. I didn't do that in a marketing way. I meant it because as I was leaving, I was I'm going to see a lot of them at the conference. Yeah. So it's not that far away. Yeah. Um, but what we end up doing for each other is I think sometimes, again, going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show about how we get in our own heads mm-hmm. or we get in our own heads about what a problem is or about what the world is like or about what our challenges are like. And then we end up with people that we really trust where we share a lot of deep stories and you realize you're not alone in anything and that some people are having bigger challenges than you and some are having less. Um, some don't realize their challenges. Um, and and that just talking about it so openly kind of gives, it reminds you of your faith, mm-hmm. you know, like not only that, not it, that experience for me is more of a self-awareness experience. The bigger experience experience is the faith keeper part that a lot of times when you don't have trust in something in yourself, they will have it in you. They, they'll have it for you. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're feeling like this is impossible, you have people around you who are like, it's not impossible. And not only that, but quit feeling sorry for yourself and keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, they've known you since, you know, these girlfriends that I'm talking about, they've known me since most of them since I was about 18. So there's a lot of faith that they keep for me. Um, And I just, I kind of feel like we all have, you know, we don't have to go on a girl's trip to recognize our faith keepers in life. Like we, we need to have people that remind us of who we are. They sometimes are the people who remind us of where we're still not seeing things. Um, But I even, just to kind of bring it even full circle, I had one person say something to me, a friend say something to me about a week ago that I kind of took offense to. And I wasn't sure if I took offense because she was right or because... um, she was wrong and I was feeling like unseen. Mm. You know how sometimes you're like, is am I triggered because it's true? Yeah. Or am I triggered because I'm feeling unseen? And so I was able to sit with one of my girlfriends this weekend and she who knows me since I was 18 and say, is this true? Mm. Is this and she could reflect back to me, it, you know, she wasn't like, never, never, but she's like, that's not what you're sure. putting out there. Yeah. And so I was able, like someone who would tell me. Yes, you are, Kathy. Yeah, she's you know a straight I mean? shooter. She's a straight sh- shooter, so it was very nice. I think I probably know who you're talking about. The well, straight good, shooter. Good. I have a few straight shooter friends. I know you do. I'm very grateful for them. Um, so, And I trust them. You know, when someone is honest with me or they tell the truth or they disagree with me, um, it's very nice because then it may, when I say it's very nice, they're not doing it to win. We need those people in our we lives. We do. And here's why. Sometimes husbands will want to be the straight shooter with their wives and or wives want to be straight shooters with their husbands. Mm-hmm. And there's moments for that. But for the most part, it's kind of like what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. I'm team Kate. Right. Like, so your, your significant other, it's, it's a little bit tricky to get into that honest, direct feedback. Like mm-hmm. you, let's just say you write a chapter in your new book that I don't like. It's, that's tough for right. me. Well, because you live with me all the Whereas time. Whereas your friends can do it more safely because one, you know that they love you and you love them. Two, you don't have to deal with the, you know, what that does to you. Do you know what I mean? I do. Well, and they don't really need anything from me. I mean, of course they need my friendship, but I feel like one of the things that we've talked about a lot that is very true in partnership is a lot of times we make, we try to make our partner all the things, everything. They should, you know, keep all of our secrets and and be the one who's exciting and love us, but also be, give us a straight shooter. Yeah, be steady and right. consistent, but but then be vulnerable yeah. and open. Like our partner, even though it's, it's nice, too much. 
if our partner can demonstrate all that side those sides of himself or mm-hmm. herself, it's not realistic to say you need to be all those things. So sometimes you need I know when I need to have a deep talk with a girlfriend mm-hmm. or when I need to go away or when I need to be alone. Well, when you brought that uh, specific uh, story up last week, I didn't really have much of a reaction, but let's just say for a second I did and say, oh, yeah. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, of course I oh, do. Oh, good. I must have been really affected by it. Yes, you were. Um, uh, and I didn't really have much of a reaction or response like, oh, yeah, that's the truth or that's not the truth. But let's just say I didn't say, oh, yeah, she's right and you are like that sometimes. That wouldn't have been good for me to say. <laughs> but your friends... Um, you know, I don't know. It's just once again, you well, need to surround yourself with these faith keepers that you're talking about. They know me best where if that is the truth, yeah. then they're going to say, well, of course you're like that. And they would say it not with, now we don't love you, yeah. but yeah, dude, see yourself clearly because sometimes I can't. In the mirror. And and they have known me long enough to either see a pattern, mm-hmm. you know, like what is that? You know, I'm 40, I'm turning 47 this week. Um and they've known me since I was 18. So do the math for me. Um, 28, 38, 48. That's almost 29 years. So they've seen a pretty consistent pattern of yeah. who I am. And obviously I've changed in many ways, as have they. But at least they're like, no. you mm-hmm. know. So it's better than somebody who doesn't know me super well, yeah. you know, throwing out something, which um, I had to... And I think part of the reason... And again, I'm not going to be specific here sure. because it... But part of the reason that certain things bother me when they say them to me is because I'm working really hard to not be like that. Mm -hmm. So when someone just throws that on me, Mm -hmm. I can't tell if I'm failing or if there is a sense of do better. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't tell the difference. So, but I was able to talk about with them. That was one piece, but the other piece was just being really stupid and just being like staying out late and staying up late and watching stupid things and having drinks. And I just don't have to carry myself in a certain way because of- You let your guard down. You're not mom. You're not husband. Right. You're not wife. I'm not You're Zen Kathy from <laughs> when you were 18 years old right. in a 47-year-old body. Correct. And they know that person better yeah. than- a person on a podcast. Yeah. Like they know that person, that person is who they feel most comfortable with is the person who's let, let down. Cause that's what they remember. That's right. when the memories were imprinted. Right. Well, that's when they fell in love with me and I fell in love with them yeah. is it wasn't about what we had to give each other. It was just about who we were right. and who we are. So, but I also want to just comment a little more on faith keepers. Obviously they're people and they're my girlfriends and my best friends and my family, uh, you know, all faith keepers in my life, they remind me of who I am, but also places, um, you know, as Todd and I share, going to Galena for me is a faith keeping opportunity. Mm. It reminds me of who I am. Um, taking walks is a faith keeping opportunity. Um, and again, I know this is different from people, but there are sometimes we have to, I'm t- talking to my I feel youngest. like you're talking about grounding forces. I do. And because people are grounding forces and so are places yeah. and so are things that we do. Yeah. I've been talking to my youngest daughter about this, um, about when she's having emotional experiences that you can't ask other people to help. You can ask other people for help and support, but in the end, you have to be the one to help to process them through your body. You have to choose to walk or move or, you know, the first thing, ask for help or Mm -hmm. say, hold my hand. Or we have to know what those people, who those people are and what those places are and utilize them. And I just feel really uh, grateful 
to have at least knowledge because some people will say, well, I don't know where I feel safe or I don't know where I can go. I don't know who my people are. That makes it a little more challenging. Yeah. You know, you have to be clear. And it doesn't mean the people are perfect and it doesn't mean the place is perfect. It's just a place where you know yourself, where you're like, okay, I recognize myself yeah. here. Um, so I wish for everybody um, to to if you already all have faith keepers, you may be saying, oh, no, I don't. You do. Is to find those people, to spend time with them or find those places or find those experiences and bring them into your life. And um, I wanted to share one resource that I've been using that's really good. Um, and I actually got it from Debbie Reber's book. Debbie Reber, uh, she does Tilt Parenting. She was on the podcast um, a about couple, a month ago. About a month ago, she wrote a book called Differently Wired. And I really connected with her book and her um, and, but one of the things she talks about is a book that she found called the five minute journal. And basically I'm a journaler and I love journaling, but there's a lot of times that I get away from it. Yeah. But the five minute journal is just every morning writing And again, the journal is laid out in a way where all you have to do is write your answers. Mm -hmm. The three things I'm grateful for, my affirmation for the day, how I can make the day great. And then at the end of the day, why the day was great and what you're grateful for. And just that activity takes, it's called the five minute journal for a reason. And it, that's the title of the book, the five minute journal. Right. Um, and it's by a intelligent change, I think, because it's by a company, it's not by a person. And that activity in itself has helped me remember my faith keeping patterns and people. Well, and in an effort to talk about, you know, I'm always, as a coach, I'm always trying to get these guys to uh, improve their lives. And one of the things I always say is um, if you can book end your day yes. properly, and what you just said is you do a five minute journal in the morning, in the morning and you do yeah. it right before you go to bed, odds are everything in between is going to go better exactly. because of that. And last week we had, you and I had a conversation about nighttime rituals or rituals. And, um, you know, if I, if I say, you know, do, would you consider doing a five minute journal or a meditation in the morning or whatever? Like, oh, I don't do those rituals. The one thing that I don't know where I read it, but it's the idea of you're already doing rituals. Right. And we all have them. Your ritual might be to have four beers before you go to bed, or your ritual might be to get on your phone for, for the last, two hours. for two hours right in the morning before you literally even get out of bed, you are checking a YouTube clip. Like those are rituals. So we all have them. What I want to do as a coach to men and to l listeners of this podcast is consider doing a different ritual because um, we're all doing them. So Consider doing a different ritual first because I know most people I talk to, including myself, when the first thing I do is reach for my phone, I don't feel great about mm. it. Why? I don't know. Like there, I could name a million reasons why, like, you know, technology, being overwhelmed by it, looking at the news, looking at email. It's not the great a great way to start my day. But what I know is when I do start it that way, I don't love it. If I do my journal first or if I meditate first and then look at my phone, I have no problem yeah. with it. So just that slight difference between five minutes of like waking up to something else. Yeah, there's like an there's like an, un an unconscious intention of the day that happens yeah. if you can start it off um, on the right foot. Right. Um, you know, because it's summer, we have a little more time. Yeah. You know, during the school year, you know, we're all up at 6.30 or 6.15 or whatever, but because it's summer, we can sleep in a little bit. I've actually been doing a much better job of doing my 10 or 15 minutes of meditating and then doing 10 or 15 minutes of reading my Kindle. I'm reading Richard Bohr's book on healthy masculinity. It's wonderful. 
And I tell you, I'm my summer is better because I'm doing these things. Yeah. So anyways. Well, and you know, the five minute journal, part of the reason that it's effective is because they're using research. So the first, like most of it, there's nothing to read. It's just empty pages. But the first like 10 pages is an explanation to why saying what you're grateful for is effective to our brain and why affirmations actually help us view ourselves differently. And a lot of times we use those things like, I know, be grateful or affirmations are dumb and they don't work. It's not what, like, for example, part of the journal is like, what would make today great? You don't write that all my kids behave because you can't control that. Mm -hmm. You write me trusting, me um, or how know, can seeing, I respond next time my kids misbehave? Well, that's something you have control over. And that's my whole point. Right. Me trusting the process right. or me breathing through this. And I try not to be too specific about I'm going to do this with this person or this with this kid. I try and be really general about I'm going to take my time. I'm going to acknowledge I'm, because the thing is, is I don't know what's going to happen that day. So I can't be like, this is guaranteed to happen. Therefore, I'm going to treat it this way. I'm just going to be aware and so whatever that means in whatever particular situation is helpful. So it's not about putting things out there and crossing your fingers that they happen. You write things down that you have control over yep. because then you can do it. So, you know, that's just something I thought I would share with you guys because it's been helpful to me. Um, and Debbie Reber shared it with me, so I'm passing it along. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, just closing in on, you know, this Faith Keeper thing, Maria Shriver's book is called I've Been Thinking. Reflections, prayers, and meditations for a meaningful life. It's a lovely read. It's um, it's easy. You mm. know what I mean. It's just a couple pages per chapter, and I think it's very thoughtful. Mm, wonderful. Thank you for that resource, sweetie. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have one iTunes review that I want to read. Um, WNC Sarah from the United States of America says, "I've been listening to this podcast for about six months, and it's quickly become one of my favorites. I really value Todd and Kathy's down-to-earth, accessible style, and practical, loving guidance." I, knew, I initially tuned in to find parenting inspiration, but found so much more, including inspiration for how to be a better, more self-aware human being. Episodes cover a diversity of topics that are relevant to anyone. Thank you, Todd and Kathy, for your humor, wisdom, and authenticity. So thank you, WNC Sarah. Thank you. That's really nice. And then uh, one more shout out for Team Zen. We'd love to have some new people join us uh, for tomorrow night's Zen Talk. If you're listening to this afterwards, there will be one in a week or two. Um, so yeah, you get support, bonus content, behind the scenes Zen parenting stuff. 25 bucks a month. We'd love to have you. And next month when our tickets go on sale for the 2019 conference, if you're on Team Zen, you get a pretty good discount. So yeah. right there, you're already getting back probably a month's worth. Of, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like when we did our our uh, our frequent diners thing at the clubhouse, one yeah. of our favorite restaurants. Yeah. It costs like 50 bucks, but you get 50 bucks off yeah. on that So it kind of pays itself off. So anyways, um, and then I thought of a great closing song okay. because of what you said, sweetie. About faith. Are you going to play George Michael? Yes. Yes. And we all like George Michael, too. Um, I like this song. I don't know if I like George. I, don't. I like them both. It's organ music. It's very pretty. It's like Faith. Oh, yeah. You gonna sing with me, sweetie? No. I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not everybody has got a body like you. You know the people in the car are singing right now. There are. 
All right, we should probably not play anymore. It's because there's like copyright infringements. Right. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support, and keep on trucking.